Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Breaking news tonight, Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted of helping Jeffrey Epstein abuse young girls. The jury finding her guilty on five of the six counts against her after several days of deliberations. Uh, this verdict capping a nearly month-long trial that included testimony from about 30 different witnesses, including victims of Epstein and Maxwell's who were as young as 14 years old when the abuse began. Well, there we go. Verdict is in. Welcome to the Burn Barrel Podcast uh, from the uh, Wuhan Pangolin Lab Studios. <laughs> I starring had a, cold. a very infected Alice Shattuck, <laughs> who has been taking a horse I just pace. Have a cold. Now, thankfully. It's over. I've taken yeah, right. nothing. It's interesting. It's so ridiculous. Well, yeah, Alice, because there's a cold uh, sweeping the nation right now, but it's got a special name. Okay, well, our nephew also had a cold, and he was tested before Christmas. He didn't Way to throw a three-year-old under the bus. I'm sorry about that, Funny. Elijah. You had to hear that. Wow. <laughs> I just had a little tiny cold. Yeah, little tiny cold with, with the came via droplets. <laughs> I had a little Wuhan. tiny cold. <clears throat> Via South Nothing Africa. happened. I had a little tiny anyway, cold. Anyway, a little bed rest did it, Alice. Ivermectin, vitamin D, hydrochloroquine. No. <laughs> she had all of those. I didn't have any of them. She had all those. And, and actual just old fish tank cleaner we had. <laughs> she tried it all. She actually drank bleach and... <laughs> Injected she, some. Right. So the big... Uh, so I hope you're feeling okay with your COVID. I haven't gotten it as yet, Alice. I, you know, I haven't been boosted, so COVID. <laughs> I could succumb to your disease. <sighs> but uh, so there you go. It's not COVID, she says. It's not. So uh, so the Jeffrey Epstein thing happened. It is COVID. You look great, though, for having COVID. You look I great. I don't have COVID. You look great. I just wish that we could be in a hospital situation so the nurses could do a coordinated uh, reenactment of Riverdance. In the hallways for TikTok. And you could tell everybody that you wish you hadn't doubted earlier. Please take the vaccine. <laughs> I want to be part of the show, Alice. 
Since we are now infected, you're infected. I want to be I'm not part of, infected part of the with show. anything. I had a little uh-huh. head cold. Ugh. All right. So the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is being sent up. Ghislaine. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. She don't get, you don't get to spell your name with stupid letters that don't belong there and then dictate everybody to pronounce it right. You don't get to do that. And I'll, I'll, take, I'll say that if you want to pronounce Thomas, Thomas, because there's a stupid <laughs> H there, then I say you're right. You should be able to. But uh, Ghislaine is, um, she is going to jail for quite some time. It looks like five out of the six, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, I don't know if she seems to, <clears throat> she seems to be in on Epstein's deal. Yeah. He was a guy, sorry. <clears throat> he was a guy who had a knack for rounding up vulnerable women and girls. Mm-hmm. He had an. He could see him, and there are guys like that who can see women like that at clubs, etc. They see the wounded birds, and they say, oh, "Here we go. This is good." This guy had a knack for. Grabbing- well, and I think Elaine had a knack for it too, which yes. is the point well, because she, she would befriend huge. these little forlorn girls and yes. drag them into that craziness. Well, not that only that, world. but it's it's it's. She was so, such a psychological weapon to use, because the girls sometimes would run to her and say, "Is this all right? Is this normal?" Because what Jeffrey Epstein was doing was taking these girls, making them big promises, including making them, telling them they'll be stars and their lives would turn around. He'd send them to college and this and that. Making them big promises as this is happening, telling them that in his part of society, where they want to be, with the movers and shakers, mm-hmm. um, that you, you, know, you, you put the time in and you sleep with the men he tells you to sleep with, underage girls, etc. And, mm-hmm. and if, you're wor- if you're asking yourself if that's normal it doesn't seem like it should be normal that i'm that mine being used by all these men well Ghislaine will tell you no absolutely no you're fine you're doing well you're doing great you're awesome at this he jeffrey's so proud of you we're working on getting your college we're working on the, we're going to introduce you to people and they'd introduce girls at parties whatever assuming i assume much much of these introductions the girls were made to think were to to um, to you know, make their fru- futures more fruitful. It was probably a way of Jeffrey Epstein to use these intros as a brochure to for a lot of these guys to say, "Hey, by the way, you met Amanda earlier. You want to sleep with her?" And the guys say, "Well, is she of age?" And Jeffrey's saying, "Don't. Worry, I wouldn't have anybody underage here." But let me tell you, she's very young. That kind of thing. He was just enough mainstream and normal to have normal-ish friends for a while. And just enough of a motivated, intelligent psychopath to be a manipulator of these girls, and so that's what he did. So I just, I just grabbed a little sound from some of these girls. I think at least the, one of these girls was actually 22 at the time, but she describes how it, how it happened. He said that um, he could get me into the Fashion Institute of Technology, and. Uh that he knew that he could get me straight in, he would pay for my schooling. And I know that they didn't even phone FIT. That, that was never gonna happen. They went out of their way to play games, to make you believe. I mean, they helped me on my essay. It was just all a big lie um, and just complete manipulation. All right, that was a girl named Sarah Epstein, who was a model, who was, who was, uh, Gorgeous at the time, statuesque, mm-hmm. etc. It still looks good, but all of these girls, all of these girls, have this uh, hue of despair on them. Still, even though this mm-hmm. was quite a while ago, 
There's another girl named, it sounds like Marique, uh, talks about she was a, one of a classic vulnerable. This must have been the kind of girl that Epstein absolutely looked for. I had been a runaway and I had been abused before. So to have this, you know, ability to, to get educated and do something with my life, I thought I was turning around. It was a turning point for me. I was really excited. And within an hour of being at Epstein's mansion, the abuse quickly unfolded like that. And I thought, God, you know, yeah, I should have known better, but I didn't. And now I'm here and this is as good as it gets. And so Epstein would make them feel like they were on the hook to him immediately. Mm -hmm. So and so if they ever brought up anything, I'm taking you around. I'm treating me, letting you meet some of the most influential people in the world. And you're complete. You're having second doubts. You're you're dishonoring me. You're disrespecting me like this after all I've done for you, and bring on Ghislaine to do more damage control and use a light touch. And it's a it's a good formula. And and the, they, that's what he always did. Even when they realized that they were screwed. What I've what the what the prosecutor what the sound is from the Miami Herald and they talked to one of the prosecutors, or somebody who's familiar with the case said that what he'd do is, by the time you realized that he lied about making you a star as a model, or he lied about your college and lied about all that stuff, and you realized that, that was gone, you had been so trafficked and ritually humiliated and, and abused in such a grand scale mm -hmm. that that's all you had. All you had left was the humiliation and nothing else. And so it's like a, it's got to be a classic grooming way to just flatten a person, a woman, down to nothing. And then they're just, just these walking sort of, sort of drones who are broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, some of the testimony from the trial, one of the girls testified that Ghislaine Maxwell like, felt like an older sister to her and she yeah. trusted her and some of these things. So, you know, some of the commentary, like what the defense tried to basically say is, you know, they wanted to have Epstein here in mm. front of them to put on trial and they don't have him. So now they're trying to pin this on Ghislaine who had nothing to do with it. Mm hmm. But it's really not true. Like, she had everything to do with it. She was right there in the thick of it with him. And I think she's just as responsible as he is, frankly. Um, and she does have another trial coming, which is for the perjury charges, which were separated out into a separate trial that she lied in her depositions back in his trial in whatever year that was. Um, a few years back when he did... Uh, he. Like got a plea deal, mm -hmm. I think a really epic, an amazing, plea an epically deal. good plea deal. Yes, that was so. a Trump guy, right? Um, I don't remember. I think it was the U.S. attorney was working for Trump, and he later joined him in the White House. Um, here's back to that model again, talking about how it was impossible to break away. But when you in, you can't get out. That's it. Like when you are in, you are in, and you are in deep. If I didn't do what he said, he would make sure that. I would not be working in New York. And I was terrified. I was so I'm I'm still afraid for my life. And I was I was so scared. And here's another young lady named Virginia who said 
she had to collapse her mind, essentially, mm-hmm. to try to escape from the reality of what was happening. I just think I disassociated. I was just like, okay, um, this is happening. I'm like, what do you do? I mean, like, I remember thinking, okay, I've never done this before. I'm not, where am I? What's going on? I went into free, you know, you kind of go into freeze disassociation mode. Ghislaine Maxwell was Jeffrey's right-hand woman. The Leslie Groffs, the Sarah Kellens, they like, it's this network, which is just mind-blowing. And they're so good. They are so, they are like mastermind manipulators. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what really upsets me when, when, you know, I've had one or two people say, you know, I should have known better, you know. I don't think they've fooled the entire world. So, of course, they're going to manipulate us, a 22-year-old who's never been here. I was here for two weeks. I didn't know a single soul. But still, because I was overage and in my 20s, I should have known better. I didn't know better. Mm-hmm. I was on my own. And then I fall into Jeffrey's trap. So it was just abuse, 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 abuse. And it wasn't my fault. No, it wasn't. And that's what he preys on. He yeah. looks for people that are vulnerable and hurt yeah. and have come and from broken and broken and broken people and he promises he'll fix you yeah and instead he breaks you even more yeah. i know yep. <laughs> i know so, yeah he broke me pretty bad <laughs> so you can imagine once again being 22 flying into new york or wherever mm-hmm. biggest essentially the biggest city in the world the center of the universe 22 mm-hmm. years old you're very impressionable anyway you don't know what it what is real and what is not real. You don't know what's accepted and what isn't. And also, the more I'm re- reading into this, the more Epstein, his whole game, was a great guy to know, a great guy for parties. If you're a guy, awesome. He's got all sorts of chicks around mm-hmm. uh, who will sleep with you. And I don't think, I think a lot of these people probably, like I've known growing up, I've never known anybody like, like Epstein, but you knew guys who were like, mover, not movers and shakers, but kind of like players, you know, they'd always have girls around or always have a girl who has two other friends around, etc. You know, I was, you'd, you'd, there'd be times, you know, we'd say, you know, her friend, whatever, whatever, she's probably good to go. I was never, I wanted to be. Somebody who would be, you know, bestowed, uh, you know, uh, the cool guys, like uh, second associate <laughs> uh, woman, it, it, whatever. I was, ne- I was, I was not. But you knew guys who, like, were great. It, it, this guy has a party. I'm thinking of somebody in particular right now. This guy has a party. There's always girls. Some of them seem to be on the clock. Some of them seem to be whatever. And this is in the early to late nineties to two thousands. Some people mm-hmm. just have that going on, and I think a lot of that was the deal with with Epstein. And I just came across this this cut of Cindy McCain talking about Epstein, and it, what she said makes me think of it even more. Listen, I don't know when this is from. This is Cindy McCain on Epstein, though. Hold on, see. No, it's like everything. Um, you know, we, we, it hides in plain sight. Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. But we had no one that was, no um, uh, legal aspect that would go after him. They were afraid of him. For whatever reason, they were afraid of him. You know, it's- so they all knew. And that's just like with Harvey, uh, <clears throat> Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein, yeah. 
people knew he was a pig. He was known as being a pig. And people knew that he was violent and a bully and a psycho. But that was kind of the thing. That's just his thing. And you look like, just ratchet it down a couple more steps. Like Hugh Hefner. Mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner had women around him. Um, all of them, well, at least as far as I know, of age. But this was a guy who was a senior citizen with a lot of power, a huge brand, etc., who had girls in their late teens hanging around. Right. And he, you know, he took advantage a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's in with Hef, remember Playboy is the classy one. You know, they they were always less, you know, absolutely dirty. You know, it was Hustler and Penthouse. Those were the classless ones. Playboy was the classy one. So this stuff, this this, and I'll use trafficking in a non-legal way, but providing women, moving women around, having women, especially when there's a confluence or convergence of women who are clueless and just landed there or were runaways and, and like want to get ahead or, or short in the, yeah and and other ones who are social climbers who say mm-hmm. all right I can go get in the half's parties you know I'll 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 tease half a little bit get into his parties work laterally from there so I think that those other people it, it legitimizes Almost the entire culture, which is why it wasn't, oh, my God, Jeffrey Epstein is what it's like. Yeah, he's definitely the more perverted of the swingers and big men in campus we have around here. Well, right. And I think it marks like a total shift in the culture from the 90s and even the 2000s until now, like post Me Too and all that stuff is that there really was. I mean, like. <clears throat> Hugh Hefner had that TV show, the reality show about him and his three girlfriends, the girls next door. Right. I don't know if you ever watched that, but I mm-hmm. watched a ton of that show. And like, it was like so socially acceptable and understood what was going on. And like, that was fine. And then like, fast forward to the time when Hugh Hefner died. And there was a totally different feel and a different vibe about his legacy and everything that he had done. There was not the same laissez-faire attitude. There was definitely a sense that there was something distasteful about the whole arrangement. Right, and what, why do you think one of the reasons why all the storytellers who could have told you the truth about Hugh Hefner were in the grotto for four decades? <laughs> what do you think? The, uh, Hollywood, Bill Maher's going to rat him out and say, that guy's a little bit a little bit uh, seedy for going after 18-year-olds jumping around in bikinis at his age and using his charm and waving his money in front of them to try to get them naked. But Mars not going to say that. He spent two, three decades in the grotto with him. It's a perfect way to, to insulate yourself. Get everybody involved. Mm-hmm. It's, to, it's, a, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a perfect way to do it if you're going to do it. Well, yeah, and I think that, um, you know, it's the sort of like mythology of QAnon, right? Gets a lot of flack for being ridiculous that you know elites are using children in their like sexualized rituals to gain superpowers or whatever but the the actual fact of the matter is 
you know, it bears a resemblance to that mythology, even if it's a little bit more mundane than that. And the the more mundane version of the Q mythology, what I believe really is the reality, is that elites have a separate a separate set of mm-hmm. moral rules for themselves than they do for other people, and that that involves um, abusing and psychologically damaging, in Epstein's case, actual kids, but in the case of other elites, often like young women who are 18, who are not sophisticated, not mature, maybe come from parts of the country where they don't realize what the rules are in, you know, the fancy mansions in Palm Beach or wherever, right? Like, they just don't understand the social settings, don't understand the rules, and they're at the mercy, really, of these predators who are abusing that and leaving them broken and traumatized. And I mean, yes, in a metaphorical sense, like bleeding them dry, right? Like taking from them innocence and all these other things and damaging them in ways that that don't go away, right? And there's always sort of the discussion, uh, in particular amongst social conservatives on the right, about how, you know, elites will not follow the moral rules of society and they'll just do what they want to do and it doesn't really harm them. But then when those rules trickle down to regular people, it does harm them. Like, take no fault divorce. Jeff Bezos can get divorced and it's not a big deal for him financially. It doesn't impact him. It doesn't change his life. Like, his kids still have a nice life or whatever. Everything's fine for him. You know, nothing goes wrong in his world because he gets a divorce and does what he wants to do. But if you're a family that's struggling to get by and you get divorced, you double your expenses, you make life traumatic for your children. You, I mean, it's it, it, you make your life hugely more difficult, right? And so the trickle down of divorce from cultural elites to regular people has been disastrous for the family and for, I mean, young men in particular, not having father figures around, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's a very damaging social more that comes from the elites of society down onto regular people. So like, it's fine for Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell to like sleep around and do whatever and get into their weird sexual practices. But then they like snatch random girls from like the poor community across the mm-hmm. river and stick them into that universe and just they're broken and screwed up then. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work the same way for you if you don't have gajillions of dollars and a fancy house and fancy clothes and everything else. Right. And I also think that there is that there is in the elite circles there is a, an ongoing competition. And that's why they get this ridiculous uh, plastic surgery, even though it looks awful and ridiculous, and all this work done, etc. And, uh, you know, there's the bigger cars, the nicest gowns, all of this stuff. I mean, what mm-hmm. you what you see at the Met Gala is really obscene. Yeah. I have all the best things, and here's my beauty. Love me. I'm holding it in front of you. Love me. It's really wretched at its core. Mm-hmm. But So if you got a girl like... The, this the woman here who we played who sounds like she's got the I don't know Australian accent or whatever she is Sarah, who's this uh, one? Hang on. He said that um, he could get me into the Fashion Institute of Technology. If you see her pictures, she was twenty two, very tall, an absolute knockout, gorgeous. Twenty two, comes to America, 
how much she's drawing the eye of every guy in every room. Mm-hmm. How much support and love is she going to get from the uh, Real Housewives of Palm Beach? You know, while their husbands are pining for her, and so she makes a bad decision and gets involved with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I zero. Think, yeah, there's a lot of spite. Like, screw her, whatever. She wanted to do that, whatever, forget it. You know? Yeah, meanwhile, yeah. they're free to sleep around with people. Doesn't matter. Oh, to them. yes, no. They can go well, swinging with each other's husbands and wives, and it doesn't well, matter. I, it doesn't affect them socially. Absolutely. And I also think for young men, also, there's a tendency to say, screw her. Yeah. She wants to, I, I mean, I could have liked her and dated her and been somebody who was like into her but she's decided to opt in for this this guy's system i just think that the, it, it's it's a perfect storm to give these girls zero layers of protection and zero advocates around mm-hmm. them and other people like Cindy McCain saying or uh, whatever M- McCain's wife saying saying uh yeah we all saw it so what are we going to do i mean because you see this after a while it reminds me of being in high school mm-hmm. and one of the reason I didn't love high school was, yeah, the stupid bores in high school, B-O-R-E-S, I think, in high school, and all the really beautiful girls were sleeping with them, and they were treated, the high, the do these guys in high school would treat mm-hmm. them terribly, talk intimately with each other and publicly about the details of their sex, write about them in the bathroom walls, and these girls, these beautiful Winchester uh, co-eds, would continue to just love them. And so these guys were paid off for being brutes and jerks, etc. Tom Shattuck and people like me <laughs> got no attention from anything. And it's like, okay, I see. Don't just because Cindy whatever is now crying because the the QB uh, dumped her. I don't feel bad for her. They opted into this gross system, this gross you know jerk meritocracy where the worst you treat somebody. The more you get uh, rewarded from these, that's that's another reason I hated high school. I'm like, get me out of this weird freaking prison <laughs> with this weird caste system. I, I don't like this stuff. But also, don't you think like we as a society post sexual revolution bear responsibility for like telling girls that this is a positive way to spend their, uh, you know, sexual currency that they have available to them? Like, because our our sex ed classes and everything focus, on, you know, on all about telling kids that it's fine to have sex. Just practice safe sex. Use a condom. Be safe. Tra-la-la. Here's how to get tested for STDs. No judgment. It's all good. We're definitely not judging you. Just, you know, be safe out there. Like, And, you know... That, it's a terrible thing to teach. But it creates an ex because it creates an expectation, particularly on young women who may or may not actually want to participate in that at those ages. Mm-hmm. But it creates an expectation that that's what's done, that's what's normal, that's what you do, and that's different than the natural inclination. Right. Women by nature have to be selective. Right. Guys don't. Guys have a, a, a an endless um, supply of bullets. Women get one a month. That's why that 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 you know women have through nature learned to be discerning or tried to be discerning, and and have always known to hey wait a second this loser over here has eighty six traits that suck. 
Uh, I'll be moving on from him, considering I don't know who he's... Yeah, but women used to know, and I don't know if they were taught or if it was just obvious out there in society, and we've just somehow like indoctrinated everybody that it's not true. But for women, trying to sleep with guys to get them to like you is a recipe for unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody has been saying that to young women for the last like 30 years and it seems like a weird plot by men who came up with this because I don't like but I really feel like somebody needs to say that out loud to young women like it's not going to get them to like you and you'll hate yourself right uh, I, I you know I, I must say Alice as somebody who was on the other team mm-hmm. men do a lot of a lot of really, really strong convincing of women that indeed it is an important thing that is crucial for a relationship to work. Yeah, how can we tell if we like each other unless we oh, do Oh, there's this? no end. There's no <laughs> end. I mean, as a, as a man, you're using misinformation constantly, sending false signals constantly. When constantly. in reality, like, through... Lots of human history, people figured out whether or not they liked each other or were going to marry each other just fine without doing that beforehand. Right. Sure. No, I don't think we have it right now. I mean, I think... I also think that this whole... the. I mean, we've destroyed the family. It was the problem, you know, with, with with the celebration of divorce. And my parents got divorced right when everybody else's parents got divorced in the 70s and 80s. And it was, it was so celebrated. All my half my high school teachers were women who were divorced and very unhappy. And also, divorce works so much better for a guy. You are good to go. You haven't changed that much in ten years. You haven't been doing the kids. Which th- is ironic because I think like seventy five percent of divorces are initiated by women or something. Yeah, I could see that. It's like a really big percent. Because women are romantic and they're dreamers and they're mm-hmm. idealists. And they think, oh, this Speaking is of which, on your limited list of literary and historical references that you have, we have added one this winter break. You now know have Anna Karenina. Correct. Speaking of women having no honor and being or, romantic. Another seductress, yes, <laughs> having no honor. Just like um, the woman in Casablanca. Having no honor. And the fact that she was turned on in romance doesn't mean that there's any honor to her. She's honorless. She would have gone with Bogart or the French dude or a Nazi in a second. Doesn't matter. She was just an opportunist, and a lot of women do that. They're just love. Men do it too. I mean, men are men to me are more clearly transparently craven, right? Where you know, oh, he's just a dirt ball who's wanting to fulfill his urges right now, no matter what. I mean, it's hard for men to hide it. Yeah, it's really. I mean, there are. Our society, you know, the American or the World Cocktail Lounge is made for men to lubricate and try to look for women. There's no reason to hang out in the hotel lobby. There's a lot of travelers there who are going to be in interesting situations, so it's a good opportunity. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out in business, and a lot of people doing whatever. Um, but, but it is... With the with the first of all, Jocelyn Maxwell, um, chances of her being alive a year from now? Uh, I don't think much. Give me a percent. I don't know a percent. Thirty. Yeah. Really, thirty? I say twenty. Okay. I don't like her chances whatsoever. 
But so so anyway, that's that, that happened, and I don't know, Mar. I don't. That's where we are right now. But these things happen. I mean, there are other times. Where is the reckoning on so much of this crap? There are so many things that we all see now and we know is like, eh. like there's slavery in China. There's there's segregation in China. There are places in China where LeBron sneakers are for sale, where black men can't enter that store. That happens right now. But and I think there will be other reckonings as well. Mm-hmm. At some point, at some point in the time of Black Lives Matter. The fact that 73 kids get shot in a weekend in Chicago by other black kids, at some point, that is a situation. At some point, somebody somewhere is going to have to say, um, guys, we've been effing this up this whole time. This right. whole time. The same way, uh, you know, in some states or whatever, men were allowed to rape their wives legally, and then we eventually said, are you sure we should be doing this? <laughs> um, the, the fact that we are... Living and as a society, there are no further safeguards, no extraordinary measure put into neighborhoods where kids are getting mowed down, mowed down as if they're living in Fallujah or as if they're in the heat of battle in in um, in Vietnam during the war. Well, right, and the Black Lives Matter people who seem to largely at this point be uh, upper middle class white women. Every time somebody yes. suggests doing something about this, I'll scream that we can't do anything about it because we have to defund the police. Right. Well, so. this is like, if anything, this last two years have shown us is that, indeed, I've always said the revelation that Black Lives Matter is it's built on a false premise, etc. And their particular premise is false because there's no scourge of cops killing black people that's inordinate, mm-hmm. etc. That said, truly, in this country... For the influential in uh, progressive cities, black lives do not matter. No. Uh, you're, uh, when the spigot is wide open of young black, mostly men, but also other children and senior citizens, it, routinely being fed into uh, morgues in hospitals, being having been shot to death, black lives do not matter. Right. There should not be one sign around. We live in a country now where it does not matter. And if, if some idiot says, well, you know, it's it's not because of the, the end products, it's because of the systems. Well, dude, your paws have been on those systems now for 50 years. Yeah. It, yeah, including the most recent system change uh, at the hands of white progressive activists and black activist class mayors, etc., which has just increased the level of dead black kids. Right, and it's incredible because they're sitting around like changing the names of elementary schools for obscure reasons. Right. Like they've gone through the actual slaveholders now and they're like finding random people who once had negative interactions with Indians maybe we think one time or something and mm. they're like they're trying to rename and you get the idea that they truly think that it's just like they haven't gone left enough that there's still mm-hmm. some vestiges of like racist right wing something left in the mm-hmm. city oh we got rid of everything else it must be the names on the schools that's why that's why our schools don't work for black kids we just and haven't really tried white, it yet those are like you were saying the elite white activists mm-hmm. with range rovers it's that that wine moms on facebook you're right about that. But with the activist class, which, which by the way, does not represent black Americans. The activist right. class of, of BLM people saying, 
They don't represent black Americans whatsoever. Much less like Hispanic but, Americans. But or they've Asian got the Americans. infrastructure there for for a good activist movement, and they've got a PayPal, and so the the wine moms and yoga pants have something to latch on to <clears throat> and feel good about. <clears throat> Meanwhile, <clears throat> sorry, I got I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. I got pepper in my lungs. Are you sure it's not Omicron? I can run back out to tractor supply for you. Nice job filling, Alice. <laughs> Are you seriously not going to say anything as I'm coughing? Nope, I'm not going to say anything as you're coughing. I said something as you were coughing. I said I can go back out to the tractor supply for you and get you some medicine. And um, that was a good joke. And now yeah, I'm was, done. That was, that, was, that was gold. I was hoping we'd go for another 20, 20 40 minutes about you're trying to get on The View. Um, which we'll be talking about in the 1670 project, 1570 project, project this uh, next week, as a matter of fact. Okay. So, no, what I'm saying is this. is that, So, you've got these white suburban women opting into the Black Lives Matter thing, jumping onto that. And Black Lives Matter in this crazy, this crazy uh, postmodernist movement, anti-Western movement, is denigrating America... From corner to corner, our entire history, this whole movement is to denigrate what it is to be an American, and because we are of um, our, our our origins are dishonorable and horrible, and so the entire thing is to denigrate the American project. Really. Meanwhile, what they're doing in doing that, of course, is telling young black Americans. Who, by the way, from being born here, have won the lottery. If you're born in the United States of America in any area, whether it's Lexington, Massachusetts, or Compton, doesn't matter. In any race. Any race. Then you were born with unique set of uh, tools and freedoms. One, you're born with a piece of the franchise. You're born through your birthright in this country with a set of rights that cannot be denied by anybody. Doesn't matter. There's no nobility. There's nobody who decides. You're also born into a country where you can choose your own leadership. There's no permanent, like we said, there's no permanent nobility class. There's no permanent um, uh, monarch. There's no set of permanent elites installed into the this democracy. You have a hand in that. Also, you have any number of freedoms in a thousand ways to ascend in this country. A thousand ways to ascend. Mm-hmm. You're protected and given the right to say whatever you want about this country. You can even say it sucks the whole time you're getting rich. You've won the lottery in this country. But we're telling to a whole generation, especially of marginalized kids, is no, this country sucks and stinks, it's terrible, it's awful, etc. And this country, of course, has some things to improve on, but it is the best country in the world. It is the country that has set more people free in the world than any other country. Yeah. There was a great Twitter thread that I came across. Actually, had tip to Ajit Pai, um, the FCC. Follows, FCC who's he follow? Anybody? Does he follow you, honey? He follows me. He must know that you're a very important mm-hmm. media member. Anyway, he retweeted this guy who became a United States citizen. He's like a Amjad Massad. He's a some kind of startup CEO guy. 
And he said, I landed in the United States 10 years ago with nothing but credit card debt. After one startup exit, one big tech job, and one unicorn, I genuinely believe it wouldn't have been possible anywhere else in the world. Here are 10 things I love about this country. One, work ethic. First thing I noticed was everyone, regardless of occupation, took pride in doing a bang-up job, even when no one looked. I asked people, why do you pour everything into a job, even when it's seemingly thankless? And it was like asking fish, what is water? <laughs> Two, lack of corruption. In 10 years in the U.S., I've never been asked for a bribe. And that's surprising. When you know that you predictably get to keep a sizable portion of the value you create and no one will arbitrarily stop you, it makes it easier to be ambitious. Hmm. Three, a win-win mindset. People don't try to screw you on deals. They play the long game and align incentives in such a way that everyone wins. This is especially apparent in Silicon Valley, where you can't underestimate anyone because one day you might be working for them. Four, rewarding talent. From sports to engineering, America is obsessed with properly rewarding talent. If you're good, you'll get recognized. The market for talent is dynamic. If you don't feel valued today, you can find a better place tomorrow. Five, open to weirdos. Because you never know where the next tech, sports, or arts innovation will come from, America has to be open to weirdness. Weirdos thrive without being crushed. We employ people with the most interesting backgrounds, dropouts to artists. They're awesome. Mm. Six, forgiveness. Weird and innovative people have to put themselves out there, and as part of that, they're going to make mistakes in public. The culture here values authenticity, and if you're authentic and open about your failures, you'll get a second and a third chance. Seven, basic infrastructure. Americans take care of their public spaces. Parks are clean, subways and buses run on time, and utilities and services just work. Because life can be livable for a time without income, it was possible for us to quit our jobs and bootstrap our business. Eight, optimism. When you step foot in the U.S., there is a palpable sense of optimism. People believe that tomorrow will be better than today. They don't know where progress will come from, but that's why they're open to differences. When we started up, even unbelievers encouraged us. Nine, freedom. Clearly a cliche, but it's totally true. None of the above works if you're not free to explore and tinker, to build companies and to move freely. I still find it amazing that if I respect the law and others, I can do whatever I want without being compelled or restricted. And 10, access to capital. It's a lot harder to innovate and try and change the world without capital. If you have a good idea and track record, someone will be willing to bet on you. The respect for entrepreneurship in this country is inspiring, and it makes the whole thing tick. Um, and he says, finally, many of the things I talk about are under threat, largely from people who don't know how special they have it. America's worth protecting and realizing that progress can be made without destroying the things that made it special. That's great. <clears throat> and that's why you've got so many people who come here and just hit the ground running who can't believe it. Like I, like I told you, like I've mm -hmm. said many, million times, the guys I worked with as when I was just 19 years old uh, from Guyana were they considered it a gift that we were working double time that we were working 80 hours a week yeah doing this stuff they were like thrilled they had one all they have to do is work and not out in the heat you know not out in the jungle these guys had got to work in a in a beautiful crisp hotel and you know just roll tables and move chairs around to get a good mm -hmm. hourly rate yeah to, and i'm sure i'm i have no doubt that these guys uh the guy my boss was named stanley he was a great guy <coughs> thank you sammy was his uh, real name I have no doubt that he is a rich man now. He probably bought half the houses in the, his where he lived in Dorchester. Right now, it's probably been gentrified the whole place, mm -hmm. and he's probably turned them over. And uh, I mean, people see it, but that's why I say that. Like, you don't uh, people who come here from other countries. They know, right? They know what they've got, you know. With but you know, you should. We should. It should be taught in the communities, in the black communities, in marginalized communities as well, in white communities too. That 
you, people don't uh, get what they have here. And that's right. a great, great article. The fact that they're not skimming off you or, rub, or, or shaking you down. Right. You know, just a or the fact that you don't have to worry about stuff, uh, you know, like that when you call 911 and an ambulance shows up, like there's a lot of countries in the world where stuff like that doesn't happen, where you don't, you know, you can't call the police and be assured that anybody's going to come and do something about your problem, you know, and or, you know, you can't count on the fact that you're going to have a great internet connection all day long or a great electricity all day long. If you have in the United States, a blackout is huge news. There's Mm -hmm. some places in the world where the lights on are huge news. Right. And, you know, and you can't do anything about it. And maybe you have to, like, pay off a government official to even have a business and things like that. You know, people don't realize what a lot of the world is like and how how much worse things can get without being, you know, it doesn't have to be the dark ages, but there's a lot of things that can, like, drain on your life and your ability to get things done and and achieve stuff and drain on your ability to like forge a life of happiness for yourself and your loved ones that we don't have in the united states that we historically haven't had um and you know people don't realize how special that is at all so yeah and and that's why i also think and i I think if you would ask me 10 years ago i probably would have told you i hated elon musk for no apparent reason because he was into green stuff technology or whatever or i don't Mm -hmm. know um but now he is inspirational. He's a guy who dares to dream. Yeah. He's got so much audacity. Yeah, I'm going to build a tunnel system under L.A. It's incredible. He's going to build a rocket that goes up in the air and then gently lands like on its legs, which he has. It's yeah. remarkable. And this guy's creating all this stuff. You have somebody like Liz Warren trying to tell him he's not doing enough. Go F yourself, lady. What the frig have you ever done? It's like, this guy is changing the world for... This is a visionary. We need Washington, D.C. to stay away from the visionaries. Just leave people alone, Liz Warren. Don't bother the the grown-ups when they're trying to do stuff. That's right. And that's like, she's one of the people. She's trying to tear down things. Tear down statues, you know? That's the people who want to tear down things. It's time to tear everything down. We've talked about uh, Chesterton's fence, right? Mm-hmm. Tear, tear everything down, turn everything down without finding uh, why exactly these things were installed to begin with that great minds thought for a long time and an evolution took place to get this to become a fence right here for some reason but no, we're just going to tear down yeah, we know better what are you doing? In- but it is funny to watch liberals like start to eat their own so this article came out today and it just wowed me I think you're going to like it this is from Vox um and they this writer Constance Grady uh uh explores why so much Obama era pop culture feels so cringe now how Hamilton Parks and Recreation and Harry Potter lost cultural cachet One of the oddities of getting old writes Constance is bearing witness to the pop culture you used to think would always be beyond reproach as it slowly slides out of favor Editor's note <clears throat> <laughs> I would have a problem with Constance as soon as she started bearing witness. As millennials age into the solid middle of the culture here at the end of 2021, they're getting to experience that disorienting slip with some of the most beloved pop culture of their youths, and most particularly the pop culture that was celebrated during the presidency of Barack Obama. Sunny, wholesome, nominated for 16 Emmys, Parks and Recreation is now widely considered an overrated and tunnel-visioned portrait of the failures of Obama-era liberalism. 
iconic and beloved Harry Potter. I don't even know how to go about having this conversation with somebody. (laughs) Iconic and beloved Harry Potter is the neoliberal fantasy of a transphobe. Perhaps the most dramatic of all is the rapid fall of Hamilton and its creator and star, Lin-Manuel Miranda, whose reputation is now one of embarrassing earnestness. Gossip Girl, aware in all its incarnations of the preferred status symbols, goes on to talk about how um, the girls in the new version of Gossip Girl think Hamilton is cringe and it's not cool anymore. I'm about good with cringe, by the way, too. (laughs) And it says she doesn't even have to explain. By now, the critiques of Hamilton are so well established that the audience can fill in the blanks on its own. Hamilton, according to the current conventional cool person wisdom, glorifies the slave-owning and genocidal founding fathers while erasing the lives and legacies of people of color who were actually alive in the revolutionary That's why era. I haven't seen it. It's no longer considered to be self-evidently virtuous or self-evidently good. Her heavy sigh signals something about Hamilton's current status, too. It proves the show is no longer cool. Uh, so it goes on, it explains that... Um, it thinks that the problem is that they're reflecting the Hillary Clinton version of like what a liberal is supposed to be. That um, uh, Parks and Recreation ended in 2015. Hamilton premiered the same year. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child with its much heralded Black Hermione premiered in 2016, offering a highly anticipated extension of a series that had been foundational to the Harry Potter generation as a story of diversity and difference. Here's the deal. We have eyes all around this theater. All right. Uh, so anyway, they feel that... Um, that seems like a really pressing there, and article... really kitchen table issue. <laughs> that good green lighting. Is that the Atlantic? Uh, Vox. Good. That Vox. seems like. I was so... going to say, I could, all that stuff. I used to love Hamilton. Now it seems cringe to me. I was going to say that. Oh, man. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we have one more burn barrel in 2021. Is that correct? Or two more? I don't know. No, one. Uh, yeah, one more. Today's the 29th, right? All of the day. Well, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can write us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. One more Burn Barrel left in 2021. Say Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 